Welcome to the R7 Podcast, sponsored by M is Good. R7 is an innovative, God-inspiring process that explores personal and professional purpose. R7 analyzes seven strategies to transform your vision and find direction in your organizational marketing. R7 establishes clarity and guidance for the gift we call life. This is my destiny. Welcome to the R7 podcast. I am super excited today uh, because I've got a very special guest on with me. His name is Dave Bennett, and Dave has um, been a good friend of mine for at least a decade. He has gone through the R7 process. Um, he loves vision. He loves the Lord. He runs a very, very large organization right now. And um, I'm super excited to have him on. We're going to be talking about uh, R7, obviously, but we're going to be talking about communication messaging today. So I want to welcome in my buddy, pretty close BFF, I would say, Mr. David Bennett. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. We've had our own, you know, iterations of things to help add value to others while entertain ourselves. So this is another fun experience for sure. And I hope that all your clients and listeners, I hope this this helps for sure. We'll do our best to try to keep each other on track. <laughs> One of the things that I love doing podcasts with you is that, you know, it's it's just so much fun and it's so real. And I think today's topic on messaging is is a real topic. You know, we have out there what I would call ORPs, obligatory religious phraseology. You know, this is messaging that just doesn't resonate with other people, um, especially non-believers. I'll give you an example of that. Um, an ORP would be something like um, transforming ministries with a spirit of excellence, um, helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You know, this is really cute messaging that simply doesn't work when it comes to conversion. Um, I think about, um, you know, I, I like to tell this story about uh, Ronald Reagan. Um, when back in the 80s, uh, when Reagan was president, there's a thing called a bounce rate and then impressions that hit us. So the bounce rate was about 30 days. So what this means is that when the American president would give a, a speech, that speech would resonate with the people for 30 days. This is the bounce rate. The amount of impressions that were hitting us um, at that time were about 3,000. If I fast forward to when Obama was getting elected, uh, the bounce rate was three days. The gross impressions were 9,000 uh, impressions per day. So an impression would be somebody, you know, an organization wanting you to buy their toilet paper, toothpaste, mouthwash, deodorant, cat food, cat litter, cars, whatever it is, you know, whatever that, you know, people are selling at that time. Christmas is a really crazy time because everybody wants you to buy their stuff. But if I fast forward to when Donald Trump was um president the first time he was running um can you guess what the bounce rate was dave bennett bounce rate i have to imagine it was like two or three times what you just listed at least yeah it was one hour so we go from 30 days wow. to three days to one hour wow. i haven't looked at the recent information but it's probably down to minutes and this is probably why tweeting became very big deal because you know, this, the news cycle would turn so quickly. And our gross impressions are up to about 13,000. So when we're talking about messaging, man, like it is the center of what we do. And a lot of times ministries don't have a lot of money. 
So you have to find the tip of the spear in the messaging. You have to figure out what the hero and the villain is. And I think we were talking prior to the podcast. You know, I I, I love what uh, Donald Miller said about, you know, the organization is no longer the hero, the client, the donor, the first time guest. They are the hero. The organization is their guide. And so, like, what does that mean to you and what you're doing? And, you know, kind of kind of what's been going on in your life of, of why? Why is this important? Well, I mean, I think if you're part of organizational life, whether it is at a church or at the company you work for, or even at the sports club your kids play at, there is that inside jargon and language that if you are an insider, you know exactly what is being talked about. But if you're an outsider, you don't. And mm -hmm. the tension you've got to manage in organizational leadership is how do I make people aware of that? How do I communicate appropriately so people don't are left looking around going, what are they talking about? You know, yeah. I mean, you think about the times in, you know, from a church standpoint where that gets really critical. It has to do with the two big church days, right? Christmas and Easter. Hmm. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. And 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 churches are thinking about, you know, how do uh, how do we make our messaging universal? How do we make it clear so that people aren't left going, this place is a cult. Peace. I'm yeah. out. You know? And so I think, you know, again, and, you know, if you're a listener and you work out in, you know, out in, you know, secular land, you know, like I do, and like we do, you know, you deal with it everywhere. You know, you deal with it, whether you're shopping, you deal with it within your own company, your salespeople have to think about it. You're training salespeople to get rid of that. I was in a, uh, special training um, at our corporate office a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about kind of picking on people doing presentations about, hey, the customer is not going to have a clue what that means. You know, let's define those things. So I think the more you can be aware of it, the more impact you can have when you create simplicity and clarity and really call out where these kind of little jargon demons have kind of jumped into the fray because that's what it is. So give me a jargon demon in your world. Like what, what would that be? And, and for our listeners out there, talk about kind of your, you know, what you were doing now. I know yeah. and, and if you want give a little history of where you've been as well, that'd be great. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, you know, I've been involved in logistics and supply chain and transportation uh, for over 20 years. Uh, took a pit stop and joined executive leadership at a large multi-site church and then got back into logistics, supply chain, transportation again. So, you know, which is where I am now, you know, in terms of executive leadership there. And the thing is, when you're thinking about in my world, there's a lot of things I could say you'd have no idea. I could talk about deadhead. I could talk about load locks. I could talk about, you know, flatbeds, vans, straight trucks, intermodal, global forwarding. I could talk about so many things you would be left going, what in the world does that mean? I could say, did you file your AES on that? And you'd be mm. like, I I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but yeah. if you're calling me a name, then uh, I'm really upset about it, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, we, we all live in that. And the thing is you become immune to the language. You do. The longer you sit in there, in that environment, you become immune to the language. But if you can break it back down into simplicity, it makes a huge difference. So let's take this kind of to the next level in terms of, you know, if you're trying to reach your core audience, do you use that language that's cute and to say, hey, I know kind of what your 
wh- who you are and I can I can relate to you. So you use that language or do you bring it back and say, you know what, I need to speak common language here? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I think if you can make it, if you can make it common, because it goes back to what you were talking about a second ago, your customer is the hero. And so mm-hmm. if they're the hero, you have to make language for them that connects to them that they can respond to. So, I mean, I can give you a really good example of what we do here. So, you know, we had a customer, we still have them, but I mean, I dealt with this last year where they wanted to be quoted pricing in a certain way. Well, we were quoting in a way that we've always quoted. We weren't quoting it for them. And I was like, time out. No, 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 no. Customer's the hero. We need to talk customer language. So I created some tools for some of our people to quote differently so the customer would see that. And you can already guess what his response was. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, this makes my life so much easier. I totally understand now. And that then becomes transferable. In the same way, if you're leading a church and you're going to talk about generosity, you're going to talk about volunteering, you've got to put that stuff in terms that the general public is going to understand, right? Because if you're Mm. talking about we need to raise our volunteer numbers, we need more people volunteering. Your people may hear that out in out in the audience and think, you're asking me to sign on to a commitment that's forever. Right. And I don't want to do that. What if I'm with people that are weird, that right. scare me? I mean, that's what they're thinking, but you've got to be able to relate it in a way. And a lot of times we can relate in ways by using a great narrative, a great story that hits the side of their brain that makes them get interested. Yeah. So that brings it to the next topic I want to talk about is the hero villain. You know, one of the things that I I really like, and and I would say that, you know, we're probably managing somewhere around six to $700,000 a month in ad spend right now. And, you know, we wouldn't be managing that kind of money if it didn't work. And so one of the things that I love to do is, is really understand the hero and the villain. You know, it's not necessarily how good the hero is, it's how bad the villain is. And so when we juxtapose a hero villain in a problem solution scenario with the right imagery, the conversions work. Nice. And so, you know, I, I love this idea of what is the hero villain. Now, I know we're talking about churches, but, um, you know, you can really look at, you know, if you're a organizational Christian organizational leader out there, you can say, okay, how do I make my messaging? How do I find the tip of the spear in my messaging? And one of the things I like to look at is what is happening in the marketplace? Like for instance, everybody can relate to COVID. And when we're coming out of COVID, you know, it was very easy to create a hero villain out of that. And, and what it was, was, you know, people were in isolation. So instead of saying, come worship with us, we're saying, Hey, we know, you know, it's been, we're isolated, come do community with us. Most people don't know, but um, Google and Facebook shut down the word church. We couldn't use church in our ads. So you can say come to our church. You had to say come, come to um, come uh, do community with us. That was our workaround. Um, and so, yeah, so when you're figuring out like, okay, what's the tip of the spear of my messaging? What's the problem that you're solving? And then how do you juxtapose that in, in messaging and in visuals? And that a lot of times works really well. So, um, you know, we can win together in community. We win together is great messaging, right? Uh, let's read the Bible together is great messaging. We already know, Dave, you're not reading your Bible. Hey, no. Okay. We already know. 
Because the statistics say that, you know, 80% of the Christians in this country, 80% of this country calls themselves Christians, sorry, but yet less than 2% read their Bible. So statistically, we already know you're not reading it every day. So let's read the Bible together. Nice. So let me ask you something. So on that idea, how hard is it for an organization or even a leadership team to identify the hero and identify the villain on their own without help? I think it's probably pretty hard. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the hardest, I would say it's probably a 7. I would say you can do it. It's always nice to have an outside perspective to push you. Uh, I've noticed, you know, just this is my 23rd year of doing this. You know, I've yeah. noticed that, um, you know, you really get, you can really get sucked into your ORPs. You know, that's the obligatory religious phraseology. You know, when you live in that bubble, it's very easy to kind of default back and go, this is good. But that, that's one side of the equation. The other side is, you know, managing the impressions, the clicks, the click-through rate, you know, understanding what that looks like and and how to read it. So, For sure. you know, that's a struggle too. I can I can connect my Google Analytics, right? But then I don't know what I'm reading. <laughs> so that's, that could be a problem as well. So how do you, so if you're working on this, how do you know when you've gotten there, or at least you're getting close? Is there any way to tell that you're getting close to that hero villain? Do you see things begin to happen in terms of the data? Yeah. So, you know, you can really see in the clicks, you can see, okay, is somebody click on the ad, right? That's, that's the first thing I, and when I get in a creative discussion, I'm always like, all right, we can come up with creative and we really want to, you know, value everybody's opinion in this meeting. But at the end of the day, the data is going to tell us whether it's working or not. So you've got to have somebody or organization that can can manage or understand how to pull the data so that you can read it and then make adjustments. And we call that an A-B test. It's a fancy word for, you know, um, trying different things until it works. <laughs> I do that a lot of times in my life. <laughs> I do a lot yeah. of A-B tests, man. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, that's 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 kind of the refreshing game of all this is to understand, okay, I'm going to test this and I'm going to watch it versus I have to be right. I have to swing and I've got to hit a grand slam home run. It's just, I want to call it propaganda. What's but that say it again? Some, but I said, do you ever, do you ever find it helpful to grab people outside your organization and have them test drive some messaging just to get some feedback? Yeah. Focus groups. 100%. Yep. Yeah. That works really well. Yeah. So uh, also it's, it's nice to just, spend a little bit of money instead of spending a lot of money. Yeah. So when you spend a little bit of money, you know, three to $500 a month, you know, just test, test, test. And then when the conversion happens, then you can, you know, amp up the spend. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So talk to me about logistics and how you have found the tip of the spear in vision. I know that was a big deal for you. Um, you know, when you first took this, um, this job and, and really trying to get the team on the same page, you know, how did you use vision to really kind of either motivate or, or pull, uh, your team together? That is an awesome question. So I've used it multiple ways and in multiple times, and we just went through a shift, um, in my team toward the end of this past year. And I brushed some things off or kind of brought them back off the shelf to try. And, you know, the vision that we have for the group that I lead um, is simply this, helping everyone win every day. I mean, if you wanted mm. to get cheeky, you could be helping everyone win every day all the time. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, but it's it's very portable and it works for different people that are in different parts of their career. You know, people that are in their 20s were taught to help everyone win every day. Mm. So this is great. You're right. So now we're not competing against each other. We're actually helping each other win. And we break it down into five different categories and ways that we help everyone win every day from our customers, our vendors, each other, um, our leaders, and then how we engage our community, actually, because, you know, I really believe um, in our company, like I do in the local church, that anywhere our company has an office, that in that community should be better because of it. And we use this idea of helping everyone win every day and building community and kind of double down on what the U.S. Surgeon General released back in May of last year. They released um, a new advisory and they called attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and a lack of connection. Mm, that's so good. Say that again. Right. The U.S. Attorney General, Vivek Murthy, released, and you can go online and see this on the government website. They released a new advisory calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Mm. And they said, he says in this, that even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, half of the U.S. adults report experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. And that this idea of disconnection affects every part of our health. In fact, it talks about the fact that someone who does not have connection can develop mental health issues and people lacking connection can increase the risk of premature death to levels comparable to smoking every day. Wow. Yeah, take that and think about it for a minute. That if you are lonely, if you have anxiety, if you are depressed, that's what happens. It's like smoking every single day. And so this idea of vision, we created this vision that said, hey, you are not alone. You're going to get, and we created this term, these terms called allies. We said, hey, whatever location you're in, you're going to get an ally in that location that is kind of your buddy, your person. And I said, look, you know, I said, if you were to fight in the first couple of war, the first two world wars, you're used to fighting with allies and they may, you may be in a foxhole and some person from France is next to you. They may look different, sound different, have a different uniform, but you guys are fighting the same fight. So we created this idea of you have a local ally and then you've got an ally in another office. We created some communication expectations around it where you're talking to your ally every day internally and the one externally you're connecting once a week, even if it has nothing to do with business. And so we cracked open this idea. And on top of that, on the community side of the vision, we said, hey, every office needs to do some sort of community service project every quarter so that, you know, you can take medication, but this is a non-medicated remedy that says, if I can take the focus off of me and turn it onto other people, then what happens is I feel better. I lose a little bit of that anxiety. I lose a little bit of that depression because now I'm not thinking about how upset, angry, anxious I am every day. I'm thinking about other people. Now, what's wild is, and this kind of goes back to your point of messaging. I presented this to all of the employees in the, in, in, in the division that I lead. When I got done, I got contacted by multiple people saying, I've never talked to people about this, but... I felt you were talking to me. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I deal with this stuff every day. I'm lonely. Thank you for having the guts to talk about this. And to me, Dave, that's when you know your messaging is that tip of the spear because you're getting real, authentic responses 
where people are coming clean and being off being you know real and authentic about who they are and what they're doing and it's been awesome to watch you know um over the years i've created really you know and and you're certainly one of those people that i've i feel like is a huge success stories on vision and when i hear you talk about this it's so encouraging to me because a lot of times what happens is we take this messaging we spend so much time how much time we spent on that vision and then what what typically happens is it just sits there and what i like about what you've done here is not necessarily you know just sitting on a piece of paper you, you have dude you you have driven this into the culture you've taken this messaging this vision and driven it and really created a life out of it and made it personal and relatable you know that's that's phenomenal man that's so hard to do and you have to stick with it as much as you probably wanted to change it right you've stuck with it and you keep continue to drive it well thanks i appreciate that but it comes back to you've got to be able to talk about it and even if you think it's weird like god man i feel silly doing it you have to buy into it for others to buy mm -hmm. into it but it comes back your point comes back to that phrase andy stanley has said a hundred times he says this about vision and mission both he says is what's hanging on the wall happening down the hall wow right? i love right? that that's to so your, good to your point though that's is you so can good. spend thousands of dollars on yes. a statement like 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 yes. for me and i know we both have this you're right what is your personal vision statement for your life right am i as provoking potential with every person on the planet you and i did that together yeah which was awesome little plug there for our seven yeah but we did that together you know you have your own as well but you've got to find a way then to connect those dots and actually make it portable and happen you know and so you know and when you do that you're going to be shocked and surprised at how it begins mm. to be lived out because you can have a great grand and glorious vision but you can't predict how it's actually going to land or where it's going to go and i will tell you this though is you come up with a vision for your organization, the way I release a vision is I release it through leadership and influence. Mm. So you come up with it. And then what I did is I shared it with the leaders that are right next to me. And I said, guys, I need you to buy into this if we're going to make this work. I said, yes. Then we brought their leadership teams along. We released it to them. And one of the, one of the most important questions or things a leader can say is, I need your help. And that's exactly what I said to those all three leadership teams. I said, everybody, I need your help. I need you to buy into this. I need you to be an advocate. I need you to be an example. And I need you to live it alongside me. And they were all like, we're in. They were super pumped. And then we ended up then launching it and casting that vision to the rest of the employees. And so far, it's been awesome, you know, but that's what it is, is you've got to believe in the core of who you are that you have to do that vision it has to become real you cannot go into it 50 percent yeah so let's walk this back a little bit how long ago was it that you created that vision so i've used the helping everyone win every day uh, when i launched a business unit at this company back in 2019 and then when I got promoted a few years later, you know, someone takes your spot to do their own thing. The vision kind of gets put on the shelf. And mm -hmm. um, we did some reorg because the groups I'm leading now needed. This is not meant to be self self-serving, but we felt that 
they would grow at a faster pace, took some other pieces off my plate, allowed me to strictly focus on these three groups. And if I could get these three groups moving in the right direction, then it would make a significant financial impact on our organization. And so, of course, at that point, I'm like, I'm taking the vision back off the shelf and let's do this. But the fact was, most of the people had never heard that one. It had been a Mm -hmm. few years old and they hadn't been reporting to me at the time. And so then, you know, I took it back off the shelf in November of last year and I really felt divinely inspired because I could have looked at everything that we were going through in terms of our reorganization and felt bad that maybe I'm losing some responsibility. But instead it was, oh my goodness, you know what? I could spend even more time with these people and maybe this is a God-ordained, divinely providential experience. And at that point, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, and here's the vision that you're going to use for this. And I was like, I know that one. <laughs> I like that one. But I'm like, we've got to reinvent it again. And that was where I just felt really a lot of inspiration about this because, you know, I'll tell you, we had one employee last year take their own life. And um, it was very impactful. And I just, it really bothered me because I knew them and it didn't have to happen. But let's go back into this. We're dealing with loneliness, isolation, lack of connection. Mm. Okay. Um, and then uh, last fall, we had an employee in one of our offices come in one morning and asked to speak to his leader. And he sat down in his office and he said, I laid on my bed last night for four hours with a pistol next to my head trying to decide whether or not to pull the trigger. And I felt like I needed to tell somebody. And they sat in there and talked through things. We got them to connect with some help. But that really stirred in me something that says, if we're going to create a vision, it can't be just about our customers. It can't be just about our vendors. It's got to also be about our people. And we've got to do something that is going to address this so that I don't ever have to have this conversation again. Like our people should feel like they're surrounded by a family. And the wild thing is, is if you do that, your customers are going to begin to feel like that. They're part of that family, your clients, the people that are at your church. I mean, it's extremely important, but you've got to be able to buy into that at a leadership level where the influence sits. So just to back up, just to get the time frame here, right? So 2019, you you had it, you're using it, you put it yep. back on the shelf, you came back to it, and now it's 2024. So yep. five years you've been in and out using it and yep. really s- seeing the impact in it. So five years, five years of living with it. That's pretty yep. cool, man. That's That's pretty cool. And to understand what it actually means to deliver it is even more powerful. So, you know, if you're, if you're listening out there and, you know, I just don't know what I want to do and like, I need, I need some vision, you know, you know, there are actually nine types of visions. I've got them all. So if you want to, you want to know what those are, I'll, I'll share them with you. But the vision we're talking about here is a short, portable, easy to understand, memorable, inspiring statement. It's usually seven to 11 words, no conjunctions. So you want to think about it in terms of like, you're going down the road and you see a billboard and it's got. 13 words on it, you're going 65, 70 miles per hour. You're not going to be able to read that thing. Yep. And so, you know, but you can read McDonald's next exit. That's pretty easy. So okay. in the scripture, you know, it talks about Habakkuk 2, 2, where, where he says, you know, Habakkuk is upset with God and, and he sits on this watchtower and says, God, I'm just going to sit here until you give me an answer. 
because um, at the time this was, you know, a dark time in the in the world where, you know, I kind of look at it as like the 70s of New York and the 60s of L.A. and anything goes in Nineveh, you know, and so, you know, rape and whatever is happening in the streets, stealing, you know, all of it was going on. And so Nineveh, and, and I'm sorry, Habakkuk's on this watchtower and says, I'm just going to sit here. And God responds with, write the vision on a tablet and make it plain so a runner running by can see it and carry it with them. That's the amplified version. So when you think about that, see it and carry it with you, carry it with you this is where this no conjunction's got to fit in. So um, so it's got to be something that you can get behind. You know, um, I like to use the presidential elections as an example. Um, I can go back to um, Obama, change, yes, we can right? Rally the nation, perhaps the world with that. And then we can also talk about who he ran against at that time, which uh, I believe was John McCain. And um, if I were to ask any one of you that are listening, you know, what was John McCain's vision? It, most people wouldn't know. No. Um, it was uh, country first, I think it was. Um, when I fast forward to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, you know, um, of course, we got Make America Great Again, right? Short, portable, easy to understand. And her vision was, I'm with her, um, which is short, it's portable, but it's all about her, not about how how it's, again, what we were talking about earlier, you know, the organization isn't the hero, the client, the donor, the first time guess the hero, the organization's her guide. You know, I'm with her is all about her. It, it doesn't engage somebody in a VIP, in a VIP experience. So, um, you know, there's definitely lots of vision out there. I did a vision. Um, message the other day on you know the candidates that are out there uh, i just want to encourage you that you know god has a vision for your life um it's something that's inside of you you know i believe that and i'm sure you do dave too that you know we were put on this planet for a reason to glorify him with our talents and our abilities and you know and becoming the best version of ourselves and chiseling away what that looks like is sort of a mystery and yeah. and um you know vision's a a great place to start, you know, and, well, um, yeah, but, the right. thing is, I mean, vision at the end of the day is about people. Yeah. We have strategy. Yep. We probably have tools. We have some plans around it. But at the end of the day, vision is about the people, right? right. You think about the election you talked about. It's all about people. And, you know, if you have a vision that is about yourself, it's easy to see that. If you have a vision that's about your profit, it's easy to figure that out. If you have a vision that's about growing your brand, yes, you can sniff that out. But if you have a vision that's about serving other people, that's about being altruistic, and it's about helping others, that's also rings true. And you can feel it. A lot of your people can feel it in their heart. And there's a reason. I mean, you brought up Habakkuk. It's funny. You're thinking about Habakkuk. I'm thinking about Proverbs 29, right? Where it says where there is no vision the people perish yeah right that whole idea that vision is about people and how you help and how do you accomplish that vision with them through them alongside them in order to serve them in order to make you know god's name great all that stuff is so important you know the moment you try to make a self-serving vision it's not really a vision right it's just a mirror. It's just about you. Several years ago, I had a, a mentor to said to me, you know, Dave, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. 
And that's really kind of the point of the vision is that, you know, you've got to, it's got to be on others. It's got to focus on benefiting the world. There's so much of that I see right now that, you know, and I used to be this way, you know, where I wanted to tear down as many people as I could. So I could be the left one, the one left standing, you know, like just, it just doesn't work that way. Like you got to lead with vision, you got to lead with being an inspiration. You got to lead with something that you're going to bring to the world. It's not about destroying everybody. So you're the last person standing. You know, that's not going to work. Well, and this idea plugs into a lot of different parts of organizational health. And I'll use kind of the dirty word of sales, right? No one likes to be sold. They love to buy. Great. However, yeah. if you have two different salespeople and one, you have one who all they care about is they want to make their commission. They want to sell their product, that kind of thing. All they're going to do is they're going to want to just word vomit on you all the cool things about their stuff mm -hmm. right right when you go to a car dealership or it's, it's professional sales or whatever that's where it is but as a salesperson if you can turn it to where it's really about making the customer the client the hero they can sniff that out too right it's asking you know your classic like your magic classic magic wand question if you could change anything what would you change right or, you know, or like, what's bothering you? What's keeping you up late at night? What is it that's really grinding at you that if you could change it, you would, or you've tried and you still can't figure out how to do it? Let's talk about that. Because at the end of the day, I'd rather sell a solution that fits what my client wants versus jamming down their throat about how I'm awesome. My company's amazing. We're going to save you from all of the bad things that are going to happen, right? And fear monger you to death. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just talk about what do you need and how do I give it to you? Mm. You know, because every other salesperson is going to try to do that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's it's awesome. I, you bring up another another story I have. I was, I was, um, I think this will be our last story, and then we'll kind of shut it down. But um, I was I was in a hotel in Charlotte, I believe, North Carolina, and it was a beautiful hotel. Um, I think it was a Hilton, and I get into the room. And it was an absolute nightmare. It wasn't messy. It was just ergonomically inaccurate. So I get into the bathroom and like the door swings open to the toilet and the, and like the toilet paper was behind the door. So you couldn't like, yeah. And then I get in the shower and the shower head in order to turn on the shower head, you had to reach across the shower. So when you turn it on, you get whacked with cold water. Oh and then when, you, then when you close the door, you know, the, the door wasn't all the way to the bottom. So the water leaked out from the bottom. And then, and then, when you slid the, and then you slid the door open, you know, it was like, it was like the door still it jammed up. So I couldn't get the towels. So I had to step out onto the wet floor to get the towels. And I was like, this is a beautiful hotel. <laughs> right. And, and I went down to the front desk and I went and I, and then there were three people standing there. There was a manager and two other people. And, and I wasn't mad. I, I was very calm. And I said, listen, I, I don't want an extra night. I'm not looking for a refund. I just have a question for you guys. And they're like, yeah, what's up? What's going on? I'm like, how long have you guys been you know, here at, at this hotel? And the, and the manager was like, oh, I've been here for three years. I've been here for two years. I've been for one year. And I said, okay, cool. Um, how many of you have actually stayed in this hotel? And they looked at me puzzled. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, no, like, have you ever stayed over? Have you ever slept in your product? Have you ever, like, slept, you, you know, you give out rooms. Have you ever slept in your own product? Have you slept in your product? 
we used your product. We slept here. And uh, they were like, no, we've never stayed here. And I said, you know what? My feedback to you is to go stay in one of your rooms because it's an awful experience. And they be, they proceeded to go down. The, oh, can we give you? And I'm like, listen, I don't want anything from you. I'm just telling you that you all need to experience what you're selling because this is this is a terrible experience. And that's my, that's my message to those that are listening out there that have bigger organizations, organizations is experience your product. It will tell you something. You will, if you want to put on a VIP experience and you want to know if your messaging is resonating, go experience your product and talk to the people that are using it on a day-to-day -day basis. It will open up your eyes. This is where like the under, Undercover Boss series came out years ago when the bosses were so astonished at that. Yeah, go experience your product. Look at the messaging. Look at your... You know, when I think about message, I think about vision, I think about I think about mission, I think about core values, I think about brand promise. You know, if you don't have a brand promise, you need to get one, right? Because there's somebody's creating a promise off of what you're delivering. And uh, it's it more than likely is not a good experience. I'm watch this. I'm really gonna get you here as we wrap yeah. up. Hey, church leader, go fill out a connect card. Let me know how yes. that goes. <laughs> 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 oh man how you long does it take to on that one. i know how long does it take to get something back and i'm not just talking about put a prayer request in there see if you can sign up for a small group or if you can serve in the children's ministry see how that goes leave a different leave a different phone number that they can get you to or to a friend mm -hmm. or whatever and say hey let me know when they call you like whatever like get creative about test driving your own experience. If you're in so business, good. call up one of your salespeople from a different phone, from your spouse's phone or whatever, and act like you're interested in buying. Mm -hmm. See how that goes, you know, or have a friend buy and do it on speaker so that you can listen. You know, there's nothing wrong with covert inspection. Yeah, I, I, there's another name for this. It's called a secret shopper. I've yep. been a secret shopper for many different ministries and it's very revealing um, what's happening. So um, listen, I, I, I want to thank you, Dave, for being on. Um, this has been awesome. I just really want to encourage everybody out there is hearing, my, hearing our voices that, you know, there's room for your messaging. You know, there's room to really find the tip of the spear in that. And, and if you do, if you take the time to do it, it will reap benefits for you personally and for your organization. Dave, you have any final thoughts? Other than, other than, you know, continue to challenge yourself to figure out what the focus is of your organization. Is mm -hmm. the customer, the client, the attender, the hero? And I'm not making this into a biblical argument. No, Jesus is the hero. I get it, I got it, we're good. But is the attender the focus? Are you creating an environment for them or are you doing it for you and everybody else so they feel comfortable? Well, now, see, we're going to end. Now we're going to start to preach. Like, is that what you're doing? That is the big idea I would ask you to figure out. And if it is not in the right direction, have some tough conversations and then come up with a vision where you can actually act on it, be excited about it, and take it for a drive. So that's what I would, that, that's what I would add, Dave. Thank you, man. That's awesome. awesome. All right. Uh, we're going to shut it down here. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out to us. It's been an awesome uh, time here with you today. Um, you can always hit us up on 
I'm probably going to, it's probably going to be on Facebook, honestly. Um, not big Instagram guy. So hit us up on Facebook or YouTube in the uh, questions. All right. Thanks for, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you guys.